Ladies and gentlemen, every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network, it's poor news with the late breaking news when it matters most. The following, the following, the following. The following. Journey, into comic. journey into Comics. Journey into Comics. Journey into Comics. Journey into Comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 211. I'm your host, Nate, and today I'm here by myself, as typically... Today, it's October 1st. I hope you guys are enjoying your start to the October season. Halloween is only 30 days away. Uh, So the last time I talked to you guys was before our trip to Columbus, Ohio for Natalie's wedding. So I'm going to fill you guys in on what happened there. Uh, The girls and I took off on Friday. We took our time driving south. We had the piano in tow with our stuff because Sarah was going to be performing at the ceremony. And we, you know, we drive uh, to into Columbus, and we get there in the early late evening, and we're staying in Airbnb, which was the first first time I've ever stayed in an Airbnb. I'd never done that before, so that was interesting. Uh, Veronica's aunt had actually rented this big ass house. She's like, "There's tons of space. We've got room for you guys. So if you want to stay, like, please do." And we were like, "Yes, that would be cool. Like, fucking a, that'd be great." So Sarah and myself. Veronica and Ollie shared a room, and uh, you know it's typical life. I mean, it wasn't anything like we weren't used to that much. So we, uh, you know, Ollie is a light sleeper, so sometimes he wakes up real crazy early as as toddlers and young budding children do. So the first night we were there, it was a little bit hard to acclimate. We had lost an hour of time in the drive. So a four hour drive took like five hours for us. And it was nighttime by the time we got there. And then we like to pull into the Airbnb, we had to go down this really tight fucking alley. And it was like, Oh my God, like if we fuck this up, we're going to wreck. And we didn't luckily wreck. So we go into this tight alley and it takes us down to the part where we can park and we park and we have this big house to ourselves. And uh, it was great. You know, the first night was pretty easy because it was like breezing into uh, the weekend. And uh, I felt all right. Nothing really crazy was going on. And then the next day we had to get up early kind of-ish because everybody was getting ready. It was like the wedding rehearsal was Saturday. So we got up early, take Sarah to the church, or not to the church, to the venue, sorry, Typical form for people to get married in churches, so it's in my head, but I know that's not standard anymore. Like, people aren't typically doing that anymore. Um, It's a thing of the past to be religious. You should move on from those terrible constructs if they're in your mind. And we we do a whole podcast on what I, my beliefs in religion and why I think that if you're religious, you're being duped, and there's like a deep, deep looks into the history of what the Bible actually was. If, if you're, um, Christian, you know, because uh, people are religious in other religions as well. And I wouldn't go out there and call myself an atheist either. Like I, I wouldn't say that Nate is a full-blooded atheist because I think atheism can almost have like a negative connotation because I think a lot of atheists are assholes. They think, oh, well, I, I, like, 
while I have a strong opinion about why I think religion is bullshit, if there's something after this life, I don't know. I don't have any clue. And until I see it, I can't believe it. So that's my thoughts. But anyways, so we go to the venue, the Highline Car House, and they figure out the wedding and how it's going to go down and all the little intricate details. We then head back to the Airbnb, chill for a little bit, and then we have to all get together and go to this, uh, it's like a pre-wedding celebration with the families. And we're at the pre-wedding celebration with the families, and I kind of feel a little bit duped a little bit here. I kind of feel dumb because on the wedding invitation, it's like, and swimming. And let me tell you, folks, last weekend, it was fucking cold in Columbus, Ohio. So I was like, swimming? I think not. Haha, ha. Like, that's not going to happen. So we roll up on John's house. It was family's house. Big, beautiful fucking home. I, like, saw, like, 1% of the house, and I was in it for a couple hours. And then, of course, outside, too, as well. So Ollie's really like, I want to swim. I want to swim. And I'm like, listen, bro. That water's going to be cold. If you get in that water to swim, you're going to be cold. And then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a cold. And then it's not going to look good on you being sick. So let's not swim. And he's like hell-bent. And I'm like, all right, V, you know, what, is, what does mom think? Veronica, what do you think? And she goes, well, I don't think he should swim if it's cold. And somebody goes, well, it's heated. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I could have been swimming in a warm-ass heated pool and enjoying myself. And it's crazy because no adults swam. It was all the, It ended up being all the kids, not all the kids, just three kids swam. But Ollie was in for the majority of the thing. And, like, this little dude is four, almost five years old, and he is doing front flips off the deck into the water. No fucking fear. He's like, whatever, I fucking got this. Okay, that's only slightly terrifying it's gonna be fine it's good okay he did it he did it it's good so then he gets up on this you know those like old school fisher price houses the they've um it's like four walls and a fucking slide and that's all it really is and it's like plastic and it's real shitty and cheaply made so he that's at the edge of a pool because they're using it as like a kitty slide clever so fucking ollie gets up to the top of it and i'm like oh he's gonna slide down cool he's gonna get in the pool that's awesome he front flips off of it like the fucking gangster that he is. Just whoop, flips off the top of it. If he would have calculated one inch wrong, he's in a lot of pain and possibly severely injured for the rest of our trip. Luckily, he wasn't. So we're finishing up this thing. And like there's a, there's a fire, and there was great conversation and amazing food. Like, oh, my God, there was so much good food. Uh, actually, we didn't even talk about the food, uh, I don't think, on... Well, you guys will be hearing it, but uh, Foodies Watching Movies debuting this Wednesday. Season 3, Episode 1. Be sure to check that out. It is a great episode and a good welcome back for the show. Uh, but we eat this delicious food at this thing, and Veronica's mom made these heart attack mashed potatoes. They're the greatest thing I've ever eaten in my life. I've actually been having PTSD smells about them. Like, I'll just be, like, walking around and smell her potatoes and then long for them and grieve that I can't have them. Like, no! What is this life and why can't we have the potatoes? Veronica apparently can make them again, which is awesome. I'm so excited. So, Saturday we're leaving the party and I'm, like, not feeling great. I'm feeling just less than. 
we have to stop off at the Target on the way back to our Airbnb because it was like a 20-minute drive. And we go up to the Target, and there's double rainbow across the sky. I swear to God, it was crazy. And uh, it was really interesting to me because I'm like looking in awe at this awesome double rainbow. It's one that's very prominent, and then there's one that's like, you can kind of see it, but not so much, right? So I'm looking at it in awe. And as I'm like kind of driving and, I, and I, we go to park and then I look over and there are like 15 people on the sidewalk with their phones up taking pictures, just lost in it, taking pictures. They're not even looking at the fucking thing they're seeing. They're just taking the picture and making sure the picture looks good, taking the picture. I was like, okay, this hogwash. So anyways, we go in, we spend a little bit of time at Target. We leave, we go back to the Airbnb and I start feeling like hot liquid garbage. It's funny. I kind of feel like that today. I'm not on the same level. It's not the same thing today. I kind of have a little bit of a migraine going on yet again. It's part of life. It's what I deal with. Uh, hopefully I'll have a remedy for that in the next couple hours. We will see. But uh, <clears throat> get back to the Airbnb and I told the girls, I'm like, look, Everything I need to do is done. I had gotten bruised with dudes up for Nick who had some troubles and had some shit we had to go through and figure out and we got it taken care of. And then I made sure best of the week was done. And it's like Saturday night. And I look and I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to bed. It's 9 o'clock, which is only 8 o'clock our time because the hour change. And uh, fell asleep pretty quick. Woke up pretty early. It's the day of the wedding. And everything went awesomely. Like we got to the, the thing on time, parked nicely, got Sarah set up nicely. The service was beautiful. The reception was great. The food at the reception was fantastic. The music was fine. I don't, I, you know, it's really weird. I don't, maybe not, not everybody has this, but I know I do. But I feel like extra um, powerful emotions at weddings. And I mean that across all spectrums. If someone's really sad, I extra feel them being really sad. I see them and I'm like, oh man, that sucks. If someone's extra jubilant, I'm like in their joy and their happiness, you know. Uh, if, if, if you know, it, there's just, uh, it was really interesting to watch Veronica's little sister, who I've known for the entire time I've known Veronica, get married Uh to John Sand, as it were. His name's not really John Sand, but uh, that's what they call him. And uh, Veronica's stepdad, Ken, and, and Natalie's father uh, was a part of this whole thing. And I've seen, he's very stoic. He's very chill. He doesn't put out a lot of emotions, right? Like, everything is pretty normal. So he's on the dance floor for the, the first dance between him and Natalie. And he's crying, and it's making me cry. And it's making a lot of people just weep because it was just a very powerful moment. Ken's not that kind of guy. Like, he doesn't show a lot of emotions, and I maybe show too much emotion. But uh, that was a beautiful thing, and then we get done with the reception, and we head back to the Airbnb. And we were thinking about heading home, but there were some issues because everyone needed us to take Oliver home, which makes sense, you know. Uh, but we had actually didn't take him to Ohio. He rode with his grandma and apparently it was really good. So we didn't really want to leave the piano with anybody else. But we were like, listen, if someone's going to be leaving when we're leaving and they're going to be like right behind us, we don't mind having the piano behind us. Ollie can be easily rolled with us because 
the piano for Sarah is very personal, right? So she just doesn't she doesn't like being separated from her instrument when she's traveling, and I understand that. So Veronica's aunt Melissa's like, we need to watch the fucking Bears game, and I was like, I don't know if we're gonna go to watch the Bears game in Columbus, Ohio. Like they're not gonna air Chicago Bears football, which they didn't. We went to this bar right down the the street called Little Rock. It was literally like across the street and at the end of the road. Uh, and we go there, and they put on the NFL Red Zone, and we watch the Bears beat the uh, Cardinals, I do believe, last week. Right? Yeah, it was the Cardinals. And uh, it's 16-14 game. And then we went back to the place and chilled out and the call it a night, get up the next day, spend some time, hang out. Natalie and John came. They said their goodbyes. We pack up the car with Ollie. Josette and them get the piano and everything in tow. We head, boom, straight on down, heading home. Oliver and Veronica slept almost the whole car ride. Sarah napped a little bit. I drove the whole thing, so I didn't get a nap, obviously. So four hours straight through, we didn't stop until we got to Lafayette. Because we had to stop in Lafayette to see Nick Maxson. I had some beers for him. had some brews for the dude with brews. The brew dude with dudes with brews. Nick Maxson, you guys know him and love him every Saturday on the Journey into Comics Network with Brews with Dudes. Uh, dropped off some Market Garden Nano beer for him. And another barrel-aged bourbon beer that I can't wait for them to try because it's not beer, apparently. And I can't wait to get their utter disgust. It might be the greatest, single greatest, funniest moment on their show. Just an utter disgust. Drop some beer off with Nick. Chit-chat. Catch up a little bit. Jess is there. Uh, Ollie's jumping up and down on Tom's trampoline like it's a great time. And uh, we have to take off again because we're like, we need to get back. We need to get ahead of the piano now because they're on the way. But they must have stopped earlier in the trip, too, and I'll explain in a second. So we pull up, pull in, get Ollie out, unload our stuff as best we can. We're relaxing and maxing. And then Maggie and Josette pull up. We get the piano. The piano's loaded in. We're hanging out for a little bit longer. And we, Sarah and I, head back on home. It's calling it nighttime. You know, Ollie's got to get school in the morning, and V's got to teach in the morning, so it's like, got to to get it going. So that was kind of like the weekend, and it was really fun. It was a lot of fun to do indigestion. Jesus Christ. Uh, It it, it was a lot of fun to do a uh, water break brought to you by AP. No, it was fun to do a trip to Columbus that wasn't band related and to just kind of soak it in. Cause it was beautiful, man. It was a lot of fun to be in Ohio like that. Also a water break brought to you by AP and uh, let's see. Poor news comes out this week. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for poor news and a train of our existence showing up early in this podcast. Not very many minutes in. So what other things have kind of gone on? Okay, so didn't have a whole lot of much go on this weekend, right? Uh, Veronica came uh, up Thursday to stay with us. And then Friday, early day, I had to take her back to Lowell because she had to go into her job to do some shit. And we uh, we drive back into Lowell around 3-ish in the afternoon on a Friday. Or, was it 3? And it was like 2.30 in the afternoon on, on Friday. And as we turn onto her cul-de-sac into her area, uh, 
I noticed there are, and she her house is at the end of the end of the street, right? So I look at the end of the street, and there are three or four cops. There's two ambulances and a fire truck, and we are both like, "What the fucking fuck is going on?" So we hurry up and get up there to see what's going on, which I kind of wish we wouldn't have. Uh, now. As this isn't as personal for me as it was for Veronica, I can still sympathize and understand uh, how hard this was. But uh, we pulled up, and her next-door neighbor, Brian, is laying next to his car, and they're doing all kinds of shit to him. And they're trying all kinds of shit, you know. But it doesn't look like he's talking to them or anything. It doesn't even look like he's alive, uh, which... Uh, so we get some details and Veronica's stepdad, Ken, who gets, uh, some massage work done, uh, was there for his appointment and saw Brian on the ground, rushed over and gave him mouth to mouth and shit, tried to save him. I don't know. I guess from what Ken said, he seemed cold when he got there. So it was like maybe already too little too late type thing. I don't, again, I don't know. Uh, then, like, by the time we got there, they were using the, the fucking defibrillators and shit and trying to fucking do all kinds of stuff and whatnot, getting them up onto a fucking stretcher and what have you. It was fucked up, man. I've never really been that close to death, and I'm pretty sure that guy died. So it was really, uh, it fucked with me. Like, it was really hard. I was, it was, I was taken aback quite a bit, actually. Because, like, we pull up, and it wasn't what we were expecting to pull up to. Like, we have turned up turned down her street a million times to take her to that house to do whatever, you know, and to get ready for whatever we were doing or go to shows or whatever. And to see the ambulances so close to her house, first of all, was a great panic inducer. She does have an old grandfather that lives with her and her mom. And then her mom's there, and her mom is in great shape, but crazy fucking shit happens, man. You can't, you can't predict how this all goes down for each of us. We all have our own fucking weird journey, you know. Uh, somebody who's listening to this today, maybe they don't have a tomorrow, and I'm sorry if that's the case. Like, I don't want that to be the case for any of my listeners, but I'm just, you know, it's fucked up how that all works, and it was, uh, it fucking set the tone for a strange weekend where it was just like, that went really south and that kind of ruined Friday, then Saturday, we had to get up in the morning, go to Lowell again for Ollie's soccer game. Shout out to Chris Plant and Miss Ashley from the Kids for Sale podcast. They uh, Their kids play with Ollie on the same soccer team. Ollie was goalie when we got there, which was awesome. Uh, and then he was offense and was doing pretty good. That kid has a huge engine. He just never stops running. Uh, and then, you know, I didn't really get to talk to Chris and Ashley situationally speaking, it just didn't pan out that time, which was unfortunate. You know, I, I hate when I don't get to have the luxury of interacting, but the game was kind of parent stuff, I guess. Anyways, so Saturday after the game, we drove back north, hang out for a little bit. Sarah's finished up with her piano lesson. We load up all the podcasting gear. We drive what should be only an hour and 20-minute drive, to AP's house, and it takes us two fucking hours because traffic and accidents and stupidity. 94's traffic was bullshit. We, you know, uh, it was crazy. It was just like it was the longest trip ever to get to AP's house, and then we only got to just like 
briefly see AP and Liz to do the foodies watching movies that you guys will be listening to here on Wednesday. Hopefully you guys enjoy that one. But we, you know, we did that. We came home. We had Sonic last night. That was pretty good. Uh, and then today has just been kind of a recovery day and hanging out. And I was feeling okay this morning. And then like, I don't know, four o'clock or three o'clock or so, I started getting a little tinge of a migraine and it's, it's definitely got its grips on me, folks. And I, you know, maybe to those of you who don't, who've never experienced a migraine, uh, envision someone taking wood splinters and trying to insert them under your skull, but like with no regard that your skin is there. So it just like kind of pushes through your skin. So you, like my neck aches from my migraine aching. It starts in my neck and my neck aches to the point. And it's just, it sucks. Or sometimes I'll be sitting and it's a day where I've been on the computer for several hours and I'll just have been too fucking lost in the screens and I will make my eyes start to, I mean, trig, uh, my migraines trigger for any different thing. Being around any cigarette smoke for any amount of time, trigger. If I drink a beer, sometimes it can very easily trigger me to have a migraine. Sometimes when I've done bruise with dudes, it's like, do it with caution, dude. And by sometimes when I do bruise with dudes, I mean the one time I did bruise with dudes and the one time I did bruise with babes. So migraines are no fun. You know, they fucking suck the life out of you. And it was like, oh my God, I have to record tonight. And shout out to, I'm glad I said something because next week, folks, I'm not going to be here. The Podfather's going to take off a week. I'm going to have fill-ins. The lovely dudes over at Podcastrophe, Tyler and Dick, are going to fill in doing a journey into comics for you guys. Hopefully they can review Venom because I think they will be going to see that in theaters this weekend or next week, whenever it is. So maybe they will get to review Venom and and that will be a lot of fun to check out. Uh, I'm looking forward to whatever they bring forward on their episode anyways, regardless. So let's go ahead. We've uh, discussed what's been going on in my world and talked about the, the happy life and the sad shit that's happened. Uh, let's go ahead and get into some news. We're going to briefly cover Star Wars, and then we've got a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC news this week, folks. So to first start this thing out the gate, let's talk about Lucasfilm president and Star Wars producer Kathleen Kennedy getting a contract extension. Hollywood Reporter recently revealing Kennedy's new deal will put her in Lucasfilms until at least 2021. And uh, does it say a value? Uh, looks like a mini bike of our existence. That was fucking loud. Let's see. Let's go ahead and read this article here. It says, after turning out three hugely successful Star Wars movies since Disney's purchase of the franchise years ago, Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy is receiving a contract extension to continue shepherding the galaxy far, far away. A Hollywood reporter recently revealed Kathleen Kennedy's new deal, which puts her in control of Lucasfilms until at least 2021. After purchasing Lucasfilms from George Lucas for $4 billion in 2012, Kennedy has overseen four films that have uh, went on to gross over $4.5 billion at the box office in less than four years, meaning they made their investment back and are now making money on the Star Wars franchise no matter what they do. Of course, this could be a shock for some who thought Kennedy might be outed after the poor performance of Solo, that film only grossing $392 million worldwide. And although that is good by some standards of other blockbusters, it's well short of the Disney expectation for the Star Wars franchise. Although The Last Jedi did receive mixed reception from fans, it did generate over a billion dollars at the box office and was the top-selling home video release of 2018, 
before being supplanted by Black Panther a few weeks ago. Regardless, the poor reception to Solo has caused Disney execs to rethink their initial plan to release movies every year, which means we're not going to get official news on any of these other things. But it seems like Kathleen Kennedy is in the driver's seat in control. I know some people don't agree with it. And honestly, you know what? I'm just going to say it. I've liked every movie that they've done in Star Wars since Star Wars is back. I like that we have more Star Wars. And if that means Kathleen Kennedy's around for another 50 years as the head of Lucasfilms, let's fucking do it. You know, maybe some people disagree. Maybe some people think that's bad. Maybe some people think they're trying to make it about equality for everyone. And it's like, yeah, it should be about equality for everyone. You fuck stains. Everyone should have an equal slice of the pie, even if it's not equal slice or equal cut. If, 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 listen, like, people keep getting shit on all over the world. People I love have been shit on by other people who are shitty people, right? Just saying terrible, gross comments or awful things or what have you. And it's like, man, why? You know why? I, I don't, I, it's like fucking idiots. Everybody should be cool. With everybody else. Like, if my shit isn't interrupting your shit, don't fucking worry about what I'm doing. If your shit's not fucking interfering with my shit, I don't give a shit. You know why Tyler and I get along so well? While we don't always see 100% eye-to-eye every day of the week? He's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. And he's not pissed off at me because of that. And I'm not pissed off at him because of that. Do you know why Dick and I get along? Same thing. Do you know why anybody I'm friends with gets along with me that way? It's because... We aren't assholes to each other. We don't try to start arguments. We aren't shitty with each other. If we disagree on something, sure, we can disagree on a view. But what you think doesn't break me. It doesn't make me less of a man because my opinion's different. So what? And I get it. Sometimes you want to like, listen, there's a certain side of these people that just are so loud that you need to shut them up by yelling louder. I get that. I do. I totally understand that. Um... But fuck them also, you know? Just fucking don't worry about their stupid. Ultimately, you got to learn how to not worry about the stupid, I guess. Let's move into some star, out of some Star Wars news, into some Marvel news, as we've got some interesting stuff going on here. There is a pretty interesting, and I say it's only interesting, theory that I read on Reddit yesterday, uh, regarding what Jake Gyllenhaal is, considering we're... You know, a few weeks into production now, I'm actually closer to a month, I think, of production on the Spider-Man Far From Home film. We've not officially seen what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing, what role he's playing, what part he has in this, if he is even in the movie. Uh, Of course, it has been confirmed he's in the movie. So this is an outlandish theory regarding Spider-Man Far From Home. I am becoming more and more convinced that Jake Gyllenhaal isn't playing Quentin Beck, Mysterio, for those of you who don't know, in Far From Home. I think he's playing Norman Osborn. I'm not suggesting that Mysterio isn't the main villain of the movie. I'm sure that he is. Uh, But I think that he's going to be played by someone else, either J.B. Smoove or Newman Akar, who are both cast in mysteriously vague roles. Akar's character is called Dimitri, so he might be Chameleon, or it's a misdirect. I think Smoove is more likely, though. Either way, if the students are traveling throughout Europe, and if Mysterio is being villainous throughout the trip, it makes sense that... Uh, Mysterio is traveling with them somehow. We got a recent behind-the-scenes photo of Smoove with the students, which proves nothing, I am aware, but we haven't seen a single hint of Gyllenhaal. 
I know it's unlikely, but the MCU has been known to intentionally mislead us during the production process and in trailers. I think Osborn is going to be the sleeper villain for this movie. I think they're setting up a more central role for him in the third. Perhaps Norman pays for the trip to Europe for the young students and his son Harry, Remy High, has just started at their school and he wants him to socialize. They meet Norman once or twice throughout the movie where we see the difficult relationship he has with his son and he takes an interest in young Peter Parker. Norman is moving his business to New York City and the audience learns at the end of the movie that Norman has been behind the scenes pulling strings like the mysterious Byron, Ant-Man, and the Wasp. Perhaps he helps get Matt Gargan, Scorpion, and Adrian Toomes, Vulture, out of prison. He is setting himself up to hold a lot of power, leading into a third movie with Norman as the main villain. It's a pretty interesting theory here by uh, Danish royalty on uh, your Reddit. I like the theory. I like the possibility that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal could be Norman Osborn because that is insane casting of the best variety. Uh, Norman Osborn is a psychopath. We've only seen him, what was that, uh, Chris, I can't think of his last name, played him in the Amazing Spider-Man movie, uh, two, Amazing Spider-Man 2, and then you see him dead but his head, and then there's a possibility he was going to come back, but they never finished that franchise. You had Willem Dafoe, obviously a great, great Green Goblin in that first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. Uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal as Norman is a fantastic casting choice. I also think he's fantastic as Quentin Beck Mysterio. But uh, we, I guess we just still have to wait and see. Now, interestingly enough, there was, and I know I want to make sure to talk about it so I don't forget here, uh, set picks have leaked recently. And I'm not going to talk about the pigeon set leaks. Those aren't that really in, that interesting. I am going to talk about what we see in a stealth suit. Say what, say what, say what, say what. Bringing the black stealth suit. Now, that is not the black symbiote suit, mind you. This is more closer to your Spider-Man Noir, even though it's not Spider-Man Noir suit. Um, but the stealth suit, the black Spider-Man stealth suit, appearing in the movie, it's going to be awesome. I think it makes a lot of sense. Spidey is... Uh, if if. If Parker is Spider-Man, and then Spider-Man ends up in the UK, and people identify him clearly, that's the American Spider-Man. All his classmates are going to be like, weird. We were just we went to that field trip in Washington, and Spider-Man was there, and that's okay. Look, that's okay. Sure, I get behind that. And then we're in London, and Spider-Man shows up out of nowhere. Like, why the fuck is he following us? And is it weird that every time Spider-Man's fighting, Peter is gone? I don't understand. Someone please explain it to me. Because I don't understand. That's some of his classmates, you know. And obviously, this is a smart play because now he's in the UK in the black suit. It's not going to be as obvious when he's stopping bad guys. So it just creates a little bit more um, of an interesting angle, I think. Uh, to speak on interesting angles, somebody who I absolutely fucking adore, Robert Kirkman, creator of The Walking Dead, uh, recently was on a Schmodcast with Kevin Smith and Scott Moser. Moser? Moser. During the show, Kirkman discusses how Infinity War just cuts out some of the things moviegoers have come to expect from feature films, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. So this is the full, I'm just going to read some quotes here between Smith and Robert Kirkman. 
Robert Kirkman starts saying, I love that Infinity War was not even a movie. They were just like, here's a series of events that are important to you because you know these characters. It's going to go from A to B to C to D because it's not a three-act structure. It's like, whatever, man. You're paying for an experience. There's no recap. There's no explanation as to who anyone is. You sit down in the movie, and they're just like, guess what? You've earned this. We're at, like, movie 21 now, and here we fucking go. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so great. So Smith compares this to something, saying, they treated it like a giant-sized annual, like our audience knows exactly where we are. Like, we don't have to explain to your mom anymore who Tony Stark is. We're going to start this movie after probably a scene that would have explained a lot of shit. Like, with the Asgardians fucking dead, and then there's Thanos himself. They have had that much faith in the audience that they're like, nah, they're following very closely. While Kirkman come to appreciate Infinity War, it didn't always start out that way. At the end of the movie, he's like, aren't you... I got my arms crossed, and I'm going, oh yeah, Black Panther's dead. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, really? You're in production for a second Spider-Man movie right now, and I'm supposed to be upset that Tom Holland is dying in this really emotional way? And then... The movie's just over, and it's like, oh, fuck you. I'm not buying this. They're all coming back in the next movie. It's like I've read the comics. I know that they disappear and come back. Like, ah, fuck. Whatever. Bah. I can't believe he ended it this way. However, Kirkman saw the movie one more time with his daughter, and that changes his mind on what he thought about the movie. He ultimately says, but then I see every Marvel movie two or three times in theaters because I have free time, and my daughter didn't go with me to the first time because she had something going on. So I bring my nine-year-old daughter to a second time and she's sitting next to me. And when those people start to disappear, I look over at her and she's, she's not crying, but it looks like she could cry. Her mouth is agape. Her eyes are open. She has a little tiny nine-year-old hands like clutching her heart. And she looks at that screen going <sighs> like taking in these breaths and the emotion I saw in her I almost wept in the theater. I was like, oh my God, this is like a movie. Seeing how it affected her, I was like, just try not to be so goddamn cynical, Robert. Like, let people enjoy a thing, you know? And that's something I think every comic book fan on the internet should fucking realize. Like, quit being smarter than everyone else. Quit being mean to people. Like, calm down. Let people enjoy a thing sometimes. Word, Robert Kirkman, love to your mama, because I absolutely agree with that sentiment. And, uh, man, God, Infinity War is so good. Another delicious drink break brought to you by Poor News every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network. Try not to drink the lemon seeds that are in my water because I squeeze lemon, fresh squeeze lemon into my water. Makes me feel good, perks me up. I'm Charlie Wen. He's an artist who's worked for Marvel. Released some interestingly cool alternate designs for Captain America. It's more of a one-piece suit, kind of like all-encompassing. His headpiece, like his neck piece becomes his headpiece. Uh, ultimately, they don't go with this look, but it is a goddamn gangster look. I love it. It uh, There's just something really charming about it. It's like It maybe incorporates a little more gray, and white, which makes the suit pop more, and the brightness of the star. It's like everything else on the suit's a little darker, but he really made the star bright and super poppy. Uh, I would have loved to have seen this suit. We'll see if that actually happens. I, I doubt it does, but maybe. Who knows? Maybe Charlie Wynn's just uh, fucking playing with our emotions, folks. Got some more Marvel news. 
going on here, you guys, and, you know, I totally fucking screwed the pooch on this one, so I'm going to have to do this a little, a little backhandedly and add this in, in post. So, uh, well, it's, it'll pick up a little bit on the, on the whatever. I'm just going to talk over it so it doesn't matter. But uh, the Dark Phoenix trailer officially dropped, and we have to talk about it. And is it a Dark Phoenix trailer? Let's see. Jean Grey standing in front of X-Mansion. Younger Charles Xavier. Younger Jean Grey as a kid. Marvel stuff. Uh, she's sitting there t- listening to Xavier talk. And then it's jumping to Sophie Turner in the modern Beast. Uh, interesting upside down shot of uh, Charles going into Cerebro and he's now bald. Um, looks like Jean Grey and her family are in a car and the dial on the radio starts to go crazy and she clicks her feet together and they crash into oncoming traffic. But she protects herself. Uh, Mystique talking to Professor X here. Uh, Jean Grey's looking for answers. You got Storm here. Jessica Chastain's new character who we're not sure of. Cyclops, who we have been confirmed is in love with Jean Grey, and they're together in this movie, kind of. Another shot of Hank. Another shot of Raven and Eric. It's it's really, I think, so, we'll talk about that in a second. Oh, the cool new X-Men costumes that are a little more true to the classic X-Men look, which I do enjoy that they're kind of going back to that a little bit. I think we just saw a little teaser of Quicksilver running there. Uh, Phoenix bringing down a helicopter. Looks like the X team was in space and she gets hit by something. And uh, Hank blaming this on Charles. And apparently he thinks he's to blame for it. Magneto looks like he's putting on the helmet one last time. Maybe he was done with being a villain but has to because she's becoming really bad. Uh, but maybe they're going to team up together. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, okay, you got a shot of Beast. There's a scene someone has died. Probably one of the X-Men. We got Nightcrawler. Uh, Jean Grey taking in the Phoenix Force. Her face is cracking. And the Dark Phoenix logo. Now, let's talk about it. I don't like it, personally. I, like, I told you guys what happened in the trailer. Uh, the, mo- the, the trailer centers too much around everyone else talking about Jean. The movie trailer, this trailer, doesn't show off that she's going to be this ultra-powerful mutant with the Phoenix Force. Uh, I feel like they've definitely overdeveloped a lot of characters and left a lot of characters underdeveloped. Like, I didn't connect at all when I'm looking at Cyclops on the screen or on looking at Storm or Nightcrawler. I was just like, okay, they're there, cool. They're the X-Men, cool. Like, I, Honestly, it's weird because I feel like we're at the point now where it's the people are ready for the good X-Men. Like everyone is on the same page. Like, okay, Marvel get X-Men so you can do it right. And maybe Marvel wants to take some of this cast. Maybe they can take this cast and redo the whole thing and start from them and, and do something epic. Who knows? You know, maybe they'll recast a bunch of younger kids and a new, you know, uh, Xavier and something really special will happen. Marvel has always been good with what they're doing. I'm not the only one that doesn't really like this trailer, and I don't think it offered itself to the actual storyline of Dark Phoenix. Now, I know Robert Kirkman was just telling me to let people enjoy it, and, and sure, if you want to enjoy this movie, by all means, go ahead, because I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm still going to see the movie, but my first reaction of this trailer is just like, 
I don't think that's your best foot forward. It didn't get me fucking hyped. It wasn't Captain Marvel hyping. It wasn't you know, honestly, one of the best examples was that third Avenger or the third Avengers Age of Ultron trailer where they showed Vision for the first time, like they showed his eyes and it was all robotic. That was hype. That showed you more and more and more, and they kept building on those trailers, you know. So I just, uh, I think somebody, we got a couple of quotes here, some people on Twitter saying, uh, let's see here. I really wish the Dark Phoenix trailer was a little more Jean Grey and a little less men talking about Jean Grey. I can understand that, yeah. Uh, someone else saying, that X-Men trailer isn't bad, but I'm also not seeing anything exciting or enticing about it either, which I was hoping there would be since I'm such a huge fan of the Dark Phoenix saga but it seems to just be flat to me. That's how I feel, too. It was very flat. Uh, someone else says that Dark Phoenix trailer was underwhelming. X-Men need a do-over now that Marvel Studios will be in charge. Uh, someone else said that they can't stop watching the trailer. Uh, another person saying that, as well as Magneto and whoever just Jessica Chastain is playing, everyone just looks stiff and uncomfortable in their costumes. She consumed an entire planet. I guess they'll write that out. And he also replied to himself, says, yeah, no, not quite the feeling. A uh, movie is inherently different than a comic being different media. And when I watch this trailer, I see nothing of the spirit of Dark Phoenix. Exactly. It just, there's, it just doesn't, it doesn't sell me. It doesn't sell me at all. So here's some interesting things. This trailer comes out and everyone's like, fuck yeah, this trailer's out, right? Empire's teasing the movie and they've got like some some pictures that have been released of the team in the new X suits and whatnot with the yellow X across their chest, making them look a little bit more like the classic X-Men team. Uh, but here's some really weird shit. The trailer came out last Tuesday, and by Friday, the movie has already been delayed again. Now, does this spell disaster for... Fox's X-Men Dark Phoenix, or something bigger at play here. We're going to talk about another thing that kind of happened, kind of coincides with this. Ever since Disney agreed to purchase 21st Century Fox, all Marvel fans have been able to talk about is the eventual appearance of the X-Men in the MCU. Well, on Friday afternoon, another interesting move has these fans wondering if a crossover could happen sooner rather than later. So as I was saying, just days after the first trailer of Fox's upcoming X-Men movie, Dark Phoenix arrived online, Fox announced that the release date for the film had once again been pushed back. Instead of hitting theaters, Valentine's Day 2019, Dark Phoenix will now release June 7th. Of course, June 7th is a little over a month after May 3rd, which is when Avengers 4 arrives in theater. Yes, it is a long shot that these things have any correlation, but let's just think about the possibility as well as some other things that have happened. The Disney purchase of Fox has gone through and is currently waiting for approval. It could take quite a while. There is also a chance it's done by next summer, and if that's the case, Marvel is free to include any of the X-Men characters. Avengers 4 is going to alter the entire fabric of the MCU going forward, which would make for a good time to introduce mutants to, into the vault. Speaking of time, Avengers 4 is also going to include elements of time travel into the story. Dark Phoenix play, takes place in 1992, and releasing it after Avengers 4 could be an easy way to at least reference the earth-shattering events that take place. We also need to look at the other announcements that were made on Friday, as one of them helped support this theory just a bit. Along with the shifting of Dark Phoenix's release date, it was revealed that there's a PG-13 version of Deadpool 2 that will be releasing into theaters this Christmas season. Sure, this could just be a money grab trying to sell an R-rated product to a younger audience. 
However, it doesn't really seem like this would be a Disney move. Deadpool is easily the biggest money-making uh, character in the X-Men franchise. He's the only character that Disney likely wouldn't want to recast. The issue would be figuring out whether or not the R-rated Deadpool could fit in with the family-friendly MCU. What a better way than to release a PG-13 of the character into theaters and see how he does. Now, obviously, that is a stretch, and these decisions aren't final or even possibly going to happen. We're just going to have to see, but I love that concept, and I, it's interesting to talk about the Deadpool thing because I don't know if it can work. Like, And, and I've heard conjecture and rumor that Fred Savage is going to reprise his role from Princess Bride into Deadpool to the PG-13 version, so like he's going to play the kid, and then Deadpool's going to play Grandpa and tell him the story of Deadpool, but like toned down a little bit so I guess they're going to make it it's not going to just be like a recut with no purpose they're going to not avoid it they're going to tackle that they're doing this head on and make it uh, known you know that this is the reasoning so actually we've got some news here according to some stuff going on to quell the fires behind the fans going crazy about the possibility of 21st, 20th Century Fox switching up the release date of Dark Phoenix. Uh, here's some information. The upcoming X-Men sequel recently released its first trailer, and when it, while that left some fans mixed here in the States, evidently in China, it crushed. Thus, Fox shifted it from its previous release date to a new one of June 7th so it could take advantage of that strong response and gain more premium theaters. It's the same reason that Fox moved Alita to February 14, 2019. That's Dark Phoenix's old release date. As that will make it the, if not one of the first movies released after the Chinese New Year, allowing it to better get, get better screenings in China. For Dark Phoenix, this is obviously the second release date delay as the film originally held a release date of November 2nd of 2018, then was moved to February 14th, and now will be debuting June 7th of 2019. Hopefully the third time is the charm. Um... Director Simon Kinsberg talks about wanting to embrace the cosmic aspect of the story. He says, I always look at the comics, obviously, as the touchstone for the movies. As you know, and all fans know, there's a lot of comics. As direct, cosmic extraterrestrial stories in the X-Men lore. It's not something we've explored in the past. It's something we've certainly began to explore in this movie. And if it's appropriate to whatever the next movies would be, then I would absolutely do that. It's something I think audiences have almost grown accustomed to now, given that the Marvel movies are so often intergalactic. Let's go ahead and lastly, before we get out of this uh, Marvel slash Dark Phoenix news, let's go ahead and read the official synopsis for Dark Phoenix saying, In Dark Phoenix, the X-Men face their most formidable and powerful foe, one of their own, Jean Grey. During a rescue mission in space, Jean is nearly killed when she's hit by a mysterious cosmic force. Once she returns home, this force not only makes her infinitely more powerful, but far more unstable. Wrestling with this entity inside her, Jean unleashes her powers in a way she can neither comprehend nor contain. With Jean spiraling out of control and hurting the one she loves most, she begins to unravel the very fabric that holds the X-Men together. Now, with this family falling apart, they must find a way to unite. Not only to save Jean's soul, but to save our very planet from aliens who wish to weaponize this force and rule the galaxy. Damn. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, cautiously excited. That's what we're going to say. I am cautiously excited for the future of, uh, of, uh, of X-Men and what Marvel's going to do. Because honestly, guys, 
even though these X-Men movies have been some great, some bad, some in the middle, all over the place, they don't matter. I hate to say it like that, but if you're not a part of the MCU and you're not a part of that interconnected tissue, you don't float in the water at all. I mean, even movies that some people would argue are bad MCU movies are still great MCU, or they're still good movies because they're a part of the MCU and they tell a bigger story and they help to further the plot of Marvel and what they're trying to accomplish. And if you look at what Infinity War has done and and possibly Eternity War, which might be the name of the sequel, uh, it just, uh, you know, Marvel's got their shit together. And if you're not on the Marvel train and you're not a part of that interconnected universe, it doesn't matter. Like Simon Kinsberg, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter what you did with the X-Men because they're going to be redone and it's going to be bitching across the board, and I'm so excited. Someone who is amazing and one of my talented, uh, I don't know what you, inspirations for podcasting, Mr. Kevin Smith, has been uh, getting grilled by some people as of late, and on his latest episode of Fat Man Beyond... He addressed some of the comments that he must be paid by Marvel to praise their films and trailers, particularly the recent Captain Marvel trailer. Kevin Smith says this, I'm just going to say this, I thought it would go without saying, I thought I'd never had to say this, but I saw a tweet today because I retweeted the fucking trailer for Captain Marvel and talked about how I dug and how I dug and shut the fuck, uh, 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 hold on, I'm fucking up this, let's start over here. I'm just going to say this. I thought it would go without saying. I thought I'd never have to say this, but I saw a tweet today because I retweeted the fucking trailer for Captain Marvel and talked about how I dug and shut shit like fucking take every nickel I have Marvel. And there was like a couple people, like most of the people, like most people were like, you're fucking right. Fucking Kev, well said, leading us to the promised land, you know? Everyone's on the same page, but there's a very small percentage, about five tweets, going like, how much are they paying you to say this bullshit, man? Are you shilling for Marvel? And I just want a fucking record saying you're crazy if you think Marvel has to pay anybody to say something nice about them or to hype people to movies that are coming particular to an audience that is pre-sold. I'll just flat out deny it. I'll be honest. Nobody fucking pays me to say nice things. If they do, I'll let you know. I just like talking about the shit I like to talk about and that fucking trailer I dug. I was like, oh shit, fucking A, I can't wait. Guess there's some people, if they don't react to it, they like, if they don't react to it, they think you must be paid by these fools. I'm just enthusiastic. I swear to you, I don't get any fucking money. They don't have to pay me. That's the beauty of fucking fandom, man. They figured out a long time ago how to harness the fan base. They'll do all the work for us. I'm just a little more high profile and I I don't I don't know that word, so I'm just going to say he's high pro- profile than the average fucking bear, but nobody has ever fucking given me a dime to say anything nice or to say any of the things I say. Damn. I don't think Kevin Smith is paid to do that shit, man. He is the dude. Like, Kevin Smith has an opinion. He's a comic book fan. He's been a comic book fan for a long time. He saw the trailer. He liked the trailer. It's his opinion. Fuck you if you don't like it, right? I mean, that's that's pretty much the, the basis. It's just like, if you don't like it, 
fuck off. Uh, but speaking of Kevin Smith, he also kind of fan casted, I guess you'd say, uh, some people he'd like to see play some characters for DC. Uh, Filmmaker and comic book guru Kevin Smith has come has some left-field nominations for younger versions of Superman and Batman on the big screen, including Black Panther star Michael B. Jordan and Avengers star Chris Hemsworth. Asked who he'd like to see step into the iconic roles in a recent episode of Fat Man Beyond, Smith pointed to John Hamm for Batman, noting the Madman star has expressed repeat interest in the role should Ben Affleck step away. Smith said he'd perform a sex act to make that happen, adding, I'd want to see it. And you know who I'd love for Superman? There's this kid, I don't know if you've seen him before, Henry Cavill, had Fat Man co-star Mark Bernard into the possibility half out the door Superman star. I really fucking think he's got something. Smith backed Jordan for Superman after the Fantastic Four and Black Panther star emerged as one of the actors uh, Warner Brothers is repeatedly eyeing for the next Man of Steel should Cavill leave the role. Smith saying, I'll be honest with you, when they said Michael B. Jordan the other day, I was like, yes, do it, do it. And that's not even like a new, like, fucking progressive idea. When I was out working on Superman in 96, Will Smith was floated as Superman. I was like, oh my God, fucking do it. To be fair, that came from producer John Peters. John Peters was like, Will Smith should play this role. When an audience member called for Smith playing Jor-El, father of Jordan's Kal-El, Smith grew visibly excited. Will Smith is Jor-El if Michael B. Jordan plays fucking Superman? Can I come see your movie, sir? Oh my God, what a great idea. For a younger Dark Knight, he says he would turn to Ryan Gosling. I love Ryan Gosling. So I'd watch him in anything. But I don't know if I'd rather see him be Bruce Wayne slash Batman or like the Joker. He's a really good actor. He might take a role and fucking run with it and do something else. I don't know if you want to take the world's greatest actor and put them in a role where half the time it's a stuntman anyway, so you just have to find somebody. It doesn't doesn't have to be the world's greatest. It has to be somebody charismatic, somebody who can carry the costume and cape and stuff and younger Hmm, ah, man, love it. I love it. I love Kevin Smith's thoughts now. To continue on some DC news here, folks. DC has started casting for Birds of Prey. It's a new movie that's going to be coming up. And they have officially cast their Helen Bertinelli, also known as Huntress, in Mary Elizabeth Winstead. You guys know her as Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. She was also in 10 Cloverfield Lane Fargo and Brain Dead. Uh, that would be dope. Now, she's also going to be joining forces with someone else who has officially been cast as Black Canary. Journey. Journey or Gurney. Fucking this one up. Smollett Bell has officially been cast as Dinah Lance, Black Canary, in the upcoming DC EU film. Uh,. Smollett Bell is known for Underground, Friday Night Lights, and True Blood. And awesome, awesome that they're putting this movie together. Also, apparently this movie is going to be like the where's Batman in this universe or why Batman's been gone for a while or something like this might be their their actual rebuilding point where they take away some of the shit they don't like. I think, I say it every time, man. Warner Brothers, stop for a time and then start over. Because clearly, 
you are running on a log in water and your head is too far away from your ass right now and you're about to fucking fall in. And it's going to be embarrassing. Listen, Aquaman's going to be good. We don't have any questions about that. Wonder Woman 2 is going to be good. We don't have any questions about that. Shazam is most likely going to be good. We don't have any questions about that. The questions aren't about the movies that are out or coming out soon. The movies are about the movies that have already happened. The movies that you want to make such cornerstones of your universe. I don't know. I don't really like it. Especially now that you might have to recast your Superman. Like, shit's getting intense here, DC. You might want to figure that out. You know who's going to figure some shit out for DC? Rocksteady. Now, why do I say that? So Rocksteady, the company that has released uh, the Batman Arkham games, except for Arkham Origins, uh, has been working on another game. And we keep getting these rumors of what it's going to be, but a new job posting and a 2019 reveal hiring for a highly anticipated AAA game shifts this to being that They're not working on just a Superman game. But Rocksteady could be very well working on a Justice League game. Possibly titled Justice League Crisis or some variation of Crisis, maybe Heroes in Crisis. The official title hasn't been settled on yet, uh, but it looks like it's going to be coming out for PlayStation 5, the Xbox Scarlet, and as a PC title. Uh, release time frame that for the game wasn't given, but the post did hint more information on the next-gen consoles by saying both Microsoft and Sony will fully unveil new consoles in 2019. This game would allow you to be Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Cyborg, and Aquaman, and pretty early on in their careers, suggesting the main villain for the game could be Starro, although they don't, you know, they don't, this is all conjecture, so it's possible. They do say that it could adopt a games-as-a-service model with episodic content that would feature both Brainiac and Darkseid as other villains. Uh, It also says one aspect of the rumor, particularly ambitious, says that the game will include Metropolis, Gotham, Keystone, and more in the game's DLC, with each of them bigger than the setting of Arkham Knight. Essentially, you get three or four cities that are bigger than the entire map of Arkham Knight. Whoa. Whoa fucking huge uh of course this is just a rumor but a website was archived recently and possibly meaning that they're going to be pulling it out um by warner brothers called justice league crisis so we will have to see there now to finally close out we've actually got a little bit of comic book news today folks i've read a book that people are talking about and i'm going to give my review before i go through it quickly because it was okay it was just okay this isn't the greatest comic that's ever come out in the past 20 years it's not the craziest story it's kind of basic you know it uh it starts off in a diner and this third and final brink break is brought to you by poor news every tuesday right here on the journey into comics network Oh, yeah. That water was tasty. (laughs) All right, so I read Heroes in Crisis number one, and it was just okay. It doesn't give you everything. It leaves more questions than answers. It leaves you knowing that you're going to need to read more, but not sure if you're wanting to invest your time in reading more. Starts off with Booster Gold at a cafe in Nebraska. 
some one of the patrons notices that another superhero is showing up, and it's Harley Quinn. And Harley, you know, then jumps to this thing that looks kind of like reality TV where she's talking to a thing, and she says that she's Harley Quinn, and she doesn't believe in trauma. And she kind of describes that she shouldn't have been listening to the people that she was beating. She should have just beat them more with a sledgehammer. Bang, 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 bang. And then she buries her hands and says, God. And it's like a flashback, and it's flash forward back to the diner, and her and Booster are talking, and she's like, can I tell you a secret? And Booster's like, I won't tell anybody. And she's like, I hate pudding. And she's like, I like pie. It smells like America. Then we get uh, Superman flying towards this house, and you see a lot of birds flying around, and they're picking at something, and there's some scattering, and then there's this other guy, Blue Jay, and he goes, hi, I'm Blue Jay, I shrink, see, in the panels it shows him shrinking to get big, I control it really well, problem is I can't control it recently, sometimes I go to sleep, and then I wake up, and I'm tiny in my bed, and then the, I'm being smothered to death by my comforter, because I'm under it, and I'm tiny, and I can't control it. Then it goes back to Harley, and she is fighting with Booster Gold, and she stabs him a couple times, but she doesn't, like, kill him. She's just trying to hurt him. Booster's like, please don't make me do this. I don't want to hurt you. And then it jumps to Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman, and Superman's looking, and he sees a bunch of dead bodies. And then we go to this guy, Hotspot, and he's much like Harley, much like Blue Jay. He's There's this sign. It looks like kind of reality TV. I'm Hotspot. I have a catchphrase. I'm just warming up. It's good, right? I've been using it a lot. Like every time I'm in a fight, sometimes I get scared. But I think that a lot of people get scared like that. They're just, they just don't say it because they're trying to be something. We're all just trying to be something. But it helps, right? Knowing that you got something to say, right? Even if you go out, at least they'll remember you. I'm just warming up. And then Clark goes, Hotspot is confirmed. He had a and you can see the Batwing and, and Wonder Woman flying. There's a thing he would say, Clark says, wasn't there? I, I can't remember. Booster and Harley are still fighting. He finally grabs her, and poof, they take off into the ether sphere, uh, flying. And Superman is at the entrance of a place called Sanctuary, and he says, no sign of the greeter, no reaction at all. Going inside, we'll check on Roy and Arsenal and Flash are confirmed. Arsenal, being uh, Roy Harper, also known as Red Arrow, says, I'm Arsenal and I'm the superhero. Again, like the previous things, I'm an addict. So two things. You know when you start uh, shooting up, it was for when I... You know when I started shooting up, it was for health benefits. When I got no powers except sticks with things on them. You tend to get a hurt in this game. And I was hurting in every way, so doctors had me on some pills and more pills, and I kept getting hurt, and then there were all kinds of pills. And You go to six doctors, 14 pharmacies, plus a guy who's not really a doctor, another guy who's only kind of a pharmacist. Uh, and one day, you read somewhere that you're killing your kidneys, all with the pills. So you go to the needle to save your kidneys, and maybe some money. But really, isn't that what superheroes do? Save things? Um, back to uh, Harley and Booster. And Harley's been singing this whole time, and she ultimately stabs Booster while he's flying, and he goes, listen, do it and we both fall. And she goes, yeah, well, duh. And 
And then you see Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman are looking over all these dead characters. Wally West is dead. Uh, Wonder Woman closes Wally's eyes. And Roy Harper's dead. And, and Hotspot. And all these different characters have been just viciously killed. Uh, and ultimately... Booster and Harley land, and they don't die. Oh my god. As the podcast is fucking happening, we have late breaking news. I'll get to that in a second. That's a fucking amazing. I'm such a... Harley says... Or, or Booster Gold says, I'm such a... You kill me and I save you even after you... We were all just there to get help. We were all the same. We all hurt... And then you, Harley, I saw you hurting us, killing us. Harley says, oh, Goldie, how deep did you crack? I didn't. I saw you with all with my, I ran, I stupidly ran from you like a coward a f- or a freaking clown. Not nah, Goldie, I didn't save him, but I, I didn't kill him. You did. Oh, shit. So then it goes to Booster Gold, and Booster Gold says, I'm Booster Gold, and I'm the greatest hero that you've never heard of, and you are Sanctuary, the robot super reality therapist built with Kryptonian tech and infused with the will of Batman and the compassion of Wonder Woman, and, of course, the honor of Superman. You help heroes who have seen too much or done too much. All us heroes, all fighting all the time, and because of all of that all, we're all just all messed up including good old Booster Gold. So, okay, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm talking. Help me. And that's it. So, there's been crazy murders. Wally West, Arsenal, all these people are dead. Booster Gold thinks Harley did it. Harley thinks Booster did it. Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman have no idea. Right? So, folks, I said there was some late breaking news. It literally just happened while we were in the middle of the podcast here, and I want to cover it. Also, I want to say Heroes in Crisis, not bad, not good. It's kind of a middle-of-the-road type dude. Uh, and I say that because, well, it's a middle-of-the-road dude. It's only okay. So, as I, I, I will say, go read Heroes in Crisis issue one. It is worth a read. It has beautiful art. I am interested in seeing where the story goes. Did Booster Gold kill everybody at Sanctuary? Was it Harley? Is it somebody else and being an imposter for both of them? Uh, This book was something I just picked up because, well, everyone was talking about how it was going to be good, so I was interested. Uh, But guess what, guys? As we were were hanging out and doing this cool podcast, it seems that the earlier thing that we we were hoping for, has not come true. Finally, after months of filming on top of rumors that Mysterio will be the villain of Spider-Man Far From Home, fans have finally got their first look at Jake Gyllenhaal and what could be the big, the film's big climax. Uh, Martin Knapp, CZMarty7 on Twitter, uh, posts a video. I'm going to play it now. I haven't seen it yet, folks. Two cars. Three cars. Can I, like, make this big? Yeah, I can. Okay. It's Jake Gyllenhaal, and he's got a cape. Oh, my God. He's got a cape. Definitely Mysterio. And it's a big carnival scene. There's a drone flying and shooting. 
and the f- drone's taking off and doing some filming. The guy's following the drone. Don't follow the fucking drone. Follow Jake Gyllenhaal in that cape. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, right there. I see him. Definitely looks like Mysterio. Oh, man. They, Of course, they take the fishbowl away. Oh. As we see, it appears that Spider-Man has bested his foe. When some law enforcement agents show up for backup, it looks like their fight has caused tons of destruction, as evident by the flaming debris that surrounds the theater of chaos. Ugh. Just give us an official picture of what he's going to look like. Uh, anyways, folks, this has been Journey into Comics 211. I've been your host, Nate. As always, you can check out the Journey into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com. You can also check out the Journey into Comics network there, getting all the different shows across our network. Make sure to check into Poor News tomorrow. Foodie's watching movies on Wednesdays. We've got the dual show of Podcastrophy, both on its own feed now, podcastrophypod.podbean.com. Or here on the Journey into Comics Network, you can also get uh, another episode of Kids for Sale this Friday. Brews with Dudes episode 50 drops this Saturday. Holy shite. It's epic, guys. we got a lot of shit going on, man. You guys can check us out on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network. It's where you get all the different shows on our network. And you just have to subscribe to one feed. Or you can go to patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a dollar for that early access or the exclusive content. Either way, as soon as the podcasts are edited, you're getting them first. And either way, when we have exclusive content, you're getting it when the main feed does not. This has been Journey into Comics 211 from a green goblin to a fishbowl. I've been your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for checking it out. Let's do it how we always do. Tip our caps back and fill our brains with shit. Later, guys.